Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. Our co-host Charles Thompson is not here today, but I am joined by Mr. Eric Suarez, who is a contributor for Young Voices. Eric, how you doing today? Great. Uh, great weather here in Florida, in Miami. Uh, good day, and very happy to be here again. It's, it's been, uh, I guess, two weeks since we spoke last, I believe, and we, we talked a little bit about sanctions in Venezuela and talked uh, uh, some about AOC and her misplaced thoughts on those. And now we're having you back to talk about another thing going on in Venezuela, which is their elections. And I believe you can fill us all in on this, but we have made a deal with them that we could ease up sanctions if they would agree to have free and fair elections, uh, I believe. But what's what's going on? Are they are they holding up their end of the bargain? Uh, no, and that was just very obvious that this was going to be the end result. Uh, Venezuela's elections or primary elections, if you want to be more um, accurate, uh, have been a complete sham. And I want to say this is not necessarily the fact that. Um, it was rigged or something like that. But the fact that after the results came out, the, let's say the Supreme Court, let's call it like that, came in and just annulled everything just by saying that it wasn't fair and quoting some illicit activities. But the reality is that this was never about to happen. The winner of the election, these primary elections was uh, uh, Maria Corina Machado, who has been a politician that has shown um, a lot of opposition more than other candidates and that got her chance to run. And um, well, you know, when when you run in a dictatorship, an election, you're gonna get what you always get. You're gonna get repression, you're gonna get tyranny and you're gonna end up uh, in the position that Venezuela is. 
And before we get into the actual primary election itself and some about uh, Ms. Machado, uh, I wanted to ask, what was the deal, supposed deal that was made with the Biden administration? Is it Does it have to do with oil sanctions, all the sanctions in general, and then they agree to have fair elections? Is that the gist of it? It's Yeah, it's basically the gist of it. So the, the, the negotiations have been happening for a while, even st from the start of the year, we have been seeing a lot of reducing sanctions and making deals with the Venezuelan regime. Uh, back in, in January, the U.S. still recognized the government of uh, Juan Guaido, who was the interim president of Venezuela, constitutionally, uh, let's say, talking. Uh, but even in that time, recognizing that government, Biden still was making deals and working with the regime to the point that now we're uh, here almost in November and we're seeing that all of these deals and, and things that he has been working on have completely failed. And it was, I, I just, I think it's very naive from this administration to think that any kind of deal would hold. And to answer your question, it was, there have been different kinds of deals, uh, but all of them have involved reducing sanctions on the oil sector. So at the beginning it was, Sorry, it was about releasing uh, hostages that Venezuela had, U.S. citizens in, Venez in Venezuela, uh, in exchange of reducing all sanctions and entering the negotiating table with the opposition in Venezuela. The other, uh, and another, in another case, it was for the release of Maduro's cousins who were uh, held in the U.S. Uh, under drug trafficking charges and condemned. Uh, and that was another deal that happened throughout the year. Um, and well, if you want to summarize them, yes, all of them have involved uh, this unspoken, let's call it like that, uh, part where Venezuela was supposed to hold democratic and allow democratic and fair elections in exchange of reducing uh, sanctions uh, from the U.S. In the end of the day, that failed miserably, and, and it's very... It's very, I wouldn't say sad, I would say it's very, it's very angering for many Venezuelans who have, who saw this coming, who have seen appeasement failed towards Venezuela and who knows that a dictator is not going to get out, used, especially a dictator as brutal and cruel and, and who has committed so many human rights violations as Maduro would leave uh, under these circumstances. It's completely mind-blowing that the U.S., which sometimes we see as, as one of the leaders, one of the most, um, you know, a country would experience in these kind of situations, uh, fall short to this degree. I was thinking from our last conversation about the sanctions and that uh, it, Maduro, I'm sure, is able to convince some people that the U.S. sanctions have been part of the reason for the downfall of Venezuela's economy. And of course, it helps that there are prominent politicians that will parrot that idea, like AOC, which we talked about last time, that the sanctions have caused this. And that can actually help. And what I was thinking is that can actually help Maduro stay in power, because if the sanctions being released is the reason is why he's going to allow the elections. Well, if being able to blame the sanctions on the downfall of the economy uh, can help him, then he actually has a bit of an incentive to uh, keep some of those sanctions because it can take some of the blame off of him, right? I mean, there's kind of some perverse incentives here. Well, you, you could, 
let let me think about that because I never really followed that line of thought. But I believe that the real <clears throat> there is some interest from the Maduro regime to remove the sanctions based on the fact that um, the oil industry in Venezuela has always been the main source of income for them, for the dictatorship. Uh, so uh, even though they they have learned to get other sources to you know jump over the the sanctions and things like that, it is is still one of the main objectives of the Maduro regime to recover that revenue, to recover that um, oil revenue, uh, which is used not only for their, you know, their own crooked uh, for themselves, but uh, it's also used used for uh, getting guns from Russia, getting military weaponry from Russia, getting repression weaponry from other countries to fund deals with Iran to, for many different reasons, it is very important for the Maduro regime to remove those sanctions. And I think that, as you said, AOC, uh, the squad members in Washington, D.C. have been uh, great outlets for letting that uh, narrative get into the U.S. and start making changes. I, I was telling you in the other article I wrote the last time, there was at least four letters sent to President Biden from this group of of Democrat uh, Congress people that were asking President Biden to remove sanctions. And some of them are not, you wouldn't say are more the most radical or the most left of the Congress people, but they were also included in that letter because it has been already implanted that a big cause for Venezuelan collapse has been the sanctions, which is, as we talked the other time, uh, the other day is completely false. Now, back to this uh, election, I also find it interesting that we are uh, starting to, you know, get some oil from Venezuela, easing some of those sanctions, and, which can actually help the Venezuelan Maduro's regime. And we're doing that because we want to punish Putin's regime in Russia. So we're kind of choosing one regime over another, whichever one is uh, the best politically, I guess, for the administration uh, deciding that you can... Even I would, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. I would even say that we're not even choosing. It's the same. It's the same people because at the end of the day, Venezuela is a, it's a let's say it's an agent for Putin. It's an agent for the Ayatollah. It's an agent for Xi Jinping in Latin America, very close to the U.S. So when you sanction Russia or you're trying to penalize Russia uh, for oil, but then you still buy from Venezuela, it's not making anything. There's no making any difference. You're just you're just I don't know. It's just very, very naive for not using another word, uh, foreign policy strategy. I think they just rely on people not realizing that, of course, as a politician, your promises can be very shallow or hollow and, and say, no, we're not going to help Russia and we're going to get it elsewhere. And but we're actually just still helping Russia at the, at the same time. But I guess it helps in, in our elections. Politics really is a dirty business, no matter what country you're in, really. Um, now That's this, true. Uh, I, I agree with that. This, uh, this election, um, I want to get it right, that this was not an official government-sanctioned election. They went through, I, I saw in a New York Times piece that they uh, had uh, what some people's houses were involved. They, they, uh, they did it. I don't know, kind of around the government. Is that right? Correct. And the reason for that is that, um, as you know, or, or, or as it would be obvious, uh, and all government institutions, including the electoral institution, is controlled directly by the regime. So there, it has been 
constantly used for Reagan elections, for um, censoring people from from missing ballots, for things of that nature. So the the opposition parties in the in in Venezuela already obviously don't trust the validity or an election run by these institutions, which is called the CNN, the CNE, or the Centro Nacional Electoral in Spanish, National Electoral Center or something like that. So, yeah. And then, um, so they organized their own commission of the parties in the opposition to run and fund that uh, their own ele election process. And, and that's how it's been running the any any electoral process in in Venezuela for the last few for the last few years this show is sponsored by BetterHelp we're coming up towards the end of the year holiday season personally i do look forward to it but it can be pretty stressful there's a lot of scheduling that you have to do with different family maybe they live around the globe maybe you're missing a loved one this year adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings that you're having. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all that stress that you're going through. Something to look forward to, make you feel grounded, give you the tools to manage everything that's going on. I've done therapy in the past. It was very helpful and life-changing just to talk through some of these things with people and learn how to deal with things as they come up. Charlie has used BetterHelp for years. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. Now, um, Maria uh, Machado, who I believe won 93% of the vote in this election, that's uh, that's what I saw. As a, and even though there were 10 candidates, I, I believe, has promised to punish uh, people in the regime for their human rights abuses. And do you think that has something to do with them attempting to ignore or nullify this uh, this election? No, I think, well, Maria Corina is a very interesting character throughout. She, she's been in, in politics in Venezuela for a long time. She's a known, let's say, character. Um, she has always been very strong worry against the regime. In fact, the first memory I have from her when I was a kid was watching her in, in Congress, in Venezuelan Congress, stand up against Chavez and call him uh, he, that he was uh, a thief in front of in national TV, straight up, calling him like that. Um, so she's never been afraid of calling up people in government. She's never been afraid of that. Um, there's other reasons that you could criticize her for, of course, but uh, I don't think that calling up uh, putting people in jail because of the of it was mainly because of the elections. There is a there's some things that are across the board for any Venezuelan candidate, and one of those things is holding the regime accountable for human rights violations, uh, the violations committed from 2014 to 2021. That it, there's a whole UN report, uh, very detailed about the things that happened in those protests. That is very. Um, it's very difficult to read because of the atrocities that happened, um, and and across the board in Venezuela there is an, there is a call for uh, holding the regime and, and the leaders of uh, of the regime accountable for that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that 
I, I, there's very, very interesting things to talk about this election specifically, because even though she got the 93% of percent that you said, it was one of the less least uh, amount of people voting in a long time in an in an opposition election in Venezuela. So that's also a very interesting thing that we can dig into because of what it means for uh, legitimacy and also what it means for Maria Corina in the future, if she wants to be the leader of the opposition. I think that's that's very important to address too. So, so what's going to happen here? We can, uh, I guess, there's supposed to be an election uh, next year, a general election next year. Is is there going to be? Is Maduro going to allow that? Uh, are they going to allow the other candidates uh, to run against him and actually pay attention to the results of that election? Like, what what do you think is going to happen here? No, of course not. <laughs> this is the, the and this is one of the, this is my main criticism with the opposition in Venezuela is that they keep making the same mistake and not learning from it. So we have seen this exact same process happen in 2013, when it was uh, Enrique Capriles, who was a candidate in this election as well, but he uh, pulled out uh, because he didn't have enough support, uh, where he ran against Maduro after Chavez's death. Uh, he got robbed of that election, and they just, they just addressed it as if it was just a democratic country that they just lost an election. Then the same thing happened with uh, Juan Guaido, where there was an, uh, the regime is always going to avoid giving away the power, of course. So it is very bizarre that after so many years, an, an opposition who, who knows how the regime works, who has been repressed by this regime, who knows the tricks and, the, and, and everything that the regime is going to pull to not allow them to have a, a real election, a real chance, keeps going down the electoral rabbit hole. And that's my main issue with this opposition and with this whole process. In fact, I think it was from the beginning uh, a big waste of time. And the only benefit that I saw from it was that before uh, in Venezuela, there was a lack of leadership in the opposition and there was a need for legitimizing a main figure that will lead the country or the opposition in in organizing and knowing what to do, their strategy. The only benefit that I see from this election is that um, they gave legitimacy to Maria Corina Machado to a degree because it was very, there wasn't enough, I wouldn't say enough, but there wasn't that many voters in this election. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think that it gave some legitimacy to Maria Corina Machado and I think that that's a positive thing. But again, thinking that there's going to be a change through an electoral process in Venezuela is just falling back into Biden's uh, foreign policy policy strategy. It's just very naive and very wrong. Well, so how is the change going to happen? Is there an answer short of a violent revolution or coup? Or is that what it has to, what are you saying it needs to be? Sadly, um, there there's a lot of a lot of things need to happen, honestly. And the first thing that needs to happen is that we cannot have President Biden in power by that time, because when there's gonna, if there's gonna be a transition in Venezuela or when there's gonna be a transition in Venezuela, there's gonna be many uh, interests involved, not only uh, of Venezuelan interest, but also Iranian interest, Chinese interest, Russian interest, Cuban interests. Uh, we have Hezbollah cells, in Venezuela, we have many foreign interests of big, 
major powers and major players on the international role that uh, have interest in Venezuela. And with the current U.S. that has shown to be very or extremely weak handling these kind of situations, uh, any possibility of change isn't going to be viable under Biden, under a Biden administration or somebody who believes uh, in this appeasement foreign policy like Obama or Biden. Uh, that's first. Uh, and then definitely there needs to be an awakening of the population inside and we need to re replicate similar things that we saw in 2017, massive protests, massive protests with the kind of leadership that doesn't back down. And that's the main fear of the Venezuelan opposition, I believe, in the past few years, is that nobody wants to be the person that says we're not leaving the streets until this happens and doesn't, uh, you know, you don't want to be the responsible if something like that has to happen. And I think that's the last frontier that Venezuela needs to pass before a real change is happening, to wake that up, to wake that feeling of we can do it ourselves up. And when we do it, there's going to be a strong power, pro-democracy power backing us up from outside. And, you know, those things, it's like lining up the planets. You never know when that's going to happen, but you got to be ready when that happens. And right now we're not ready for it. Well, you, uh, so I didn't expect the, uh, you know, it coming down to Biden not being in power. And I get that he he's definitely weak and uh, toothless when it comes to dealing with these uh, other countries. I think they just don't take him seriously. And uh, why would you? He's a dementia right. patient uh, <laughs> with a nice office at this time. And uh, so did, did uh, it's, it's going to be Biden and Trump, it looks like, it, again at this time, potentially. Did Trump do a better job with Venezuela? Well, Trump was the one who originally um, enabled the sanctions. He was the one who provided some, well, not some, a very important outlet for Juan Guaido at the time uh, to have a broad uh, international recognition. He was the U.S. who led uh, that process. And it was, I would even say Trump was the one who allowed Juan Guaido to be in the position that he was during all that time. Because if, if it was up to the regime, Juan Guaido would have been gone of that office, of that position as soon as possible. But he lasted, I believe it was four years or three years. It was because of uh, Trump's policies and more, if, if something happens to, see, to him, there's going to be repercussions kind of deal. And, you know, we uh, Venezuelans remember all the times that Trump came out and, and he was like tempting us. He says, all the options are on the table, things like that. I think, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you can be pro-military intervention because there's a group that is, you can be against military intervention in Venezuela. But if you're the regime and you hear that, you're not going to move until you know what's going on. And with mm -hmm. Trump, you don't know what's going on. I think that would be my <laughs> only criticism. With Trump, you don't know what's going to happen. He may be one day just be, okay, we're going to impose really hard sanctions and that's it. And the other day, well, all the options are on the table and move some of the Southern command to the, and to make exercise in the Caribbean right next to Venezuela. So you, so that's, that was a positive with Trump. Um, he will definitely be more strong that by, than Biden in that sense, if, the, if it comes down to those two. So um, yes, and 
I will say that the big problem back in the day when Trump was there, we had the biggest chance of leaving the regime um, a few years ago. This is actually a very sad story. When there was, um, Mike Pence went to Colombia because they were trying to send um, goods uh, to to Venezuela to help the, the current crisis and the things like that. And the Venezuelan regime li- literally just burned down the trucks that were delivering those goods to their own people with the presidents of Colombia, of Brazil, of, well, my Vice President Mike Pence, and a lot of people literally a few meters away from that. That could have started a conflict. I even believe that was that was meant to start a conflict, it was like a little, to cause a Casus Valley right there, but um, it didn't happen. And, it, and I blame Venezuelan leadership for that not to happen. Hopefully, in the future, we have stronger leadership. I don't know about Maria Corina if she will be the person. I honestly have my reservations with her for other other reasons, especially because she changes her um, her message a lot, and she has changed her message a lot in the last few years. But we'll, we have to see. But definitely, the first step has to be a strong U.S. that can back us up. Well, I hope. For the sake of everyone who's in Venezuela right now, I hope for their sake uh, we get that figured out and they actually get to some some free and fair elections. But uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell everyone where they can go to follow more of your work? Yes, you can come to uh, my social media, Instagram and, and Twitter or X, however you want to call it. Both are at Eric Suarez and um, Eric only with a K. Sometimes people put CK <laughs> or just see Eric, E-R-I-K, Suarez, and... All right, I'll put a link to everything in the show notes for anyone who has a problem with uh, spelling. Uh, But Eric, once again, thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed it as always, and we'd love to have you back again. Love to be back uh, to your show. Thank you. All right, thank you. Cool, we're good. Great. All right, thank you. That uh, That was great. And uh, that was much better than I could have done explaining these things from a from a New York Times article to our oh, listeners. So definitely, uh, <laughs> the, the thing about Venezuela is that it's it's like. The-